preach out of it. All right. If you have your Bible tonight, turn the book of Mark, please. Mark chapter number six. We appreciate each of you being here. And some, uh, new faces. I hadn't got to meet you yet. Hopefully, I get to meet you after the service. Uh, on the note of what uh, Brother Bell was just saying, Jesus uh, told them there uh, in the New Testament. He said, "He said, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, he said, you shall in no wise enter in the kingdom of heaven." Amen. You see, the righteous, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, they had an outward religion. Jesus compared them to as, as whited sepulchers. A sepulcher is a tomb or a grave. He, he said, you're like whited sepulchers. He said, you look pretty on the outside. You've been, you've been uh, whited or painted. But on the inside, he said, you're full of dead men's bones. He said, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. Now, the scribes and the Pharisees they look good on the outside. Pretty. Everything been sharped up. But he said on the inside, he said, that's full of dead men's bones. He said it was superficial. It wasn't real. Jesus said, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. He said, you're not going to go to heaven. What's that word exceed mean? It means to go beyond. It means to go beyond. It's not my righteousness that's going to get me to heaven. It's Jesus Christ. And if you're going to heaven, it's only through Jesus Christ. That's just a side note. I felt impressed to say that. Amen. All right, Mark chapter number 6. Mark chapter number 6. I'm glad you're here tonight. Let's have a word of prayer. And I've got several verses of Scripture. I'll let you be seated uh, to read the Scripture. We're going to read um, about 26 verses here tonight. But I, just, I need to read it for context, so please pay attention with me. And so Mark chapter number 6, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll read our Scripture. Father, we want to thank you for the day and the privilege it is, uh, Lord, to be saved. I want to thank you for working in my heart as a 19-year-old young man and showing me, uh, Lord, that I was lost and I needed to be saved. And Lord, I want to thank you by faith, Lord, that I trusted you, repented my sin the best I knew how. And Lord, I thank you, you brought me safely thus far and we're looking one day, looking forward one day to being, seeing you face to face. And Lord, I want to thank you for taking our place uh, on the cross, paying for our sin so we won't have to pay for it ourselves in hell for eternity. And I pray, Lord, if somebody here tonight that's in that case, Lord, like I was lost, and Lord, Lord, like we all were at one time, I pray that you'd work in their heart. Help us as we preach tonight to preach to everybody. And Lord, preach to myself as well. Lord, I need your help. Do a work we pray in our lives. Father, we'll thank you and praise you for it, Lord. For we ask and give thanks, Lord, for these things in Jesus' wonderful and lovely name. Amen. Mark chapter number uh, 6. We're going to begin reading in verse number 25, bring you up to speed on what's going on here uh, in the context. Uh, John the Baptist was in prison. Herod threw a birthday party, and he, and he said he'd give whatever he wanted. And his stepdaughter came and danced before the, uh, him and his, his friends. And he, in short, he said, I'll give you half to, up to half your kingdom, up to half my kingdom. And he said, it pleased me so. And she requested the head of John the Baptist. That's where we're about to start reading. Mark chapter number 6 and verse number 25. And she came in straightway with haste unto the king and asked, saying, I will that thou give me by and by in a charger the head of John the Baptist. And the king was exceeding sorry. And yet for his oath's sake and for their sakes which sat with him, he would not reject her. And immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought and he went and beheaded him in the prison, 
and brought his head in a charger and gave it to the damsel, and the damsel gave it uh, to her mother. And when the disciples heard of it, they came and took up his corpse and laid it in a tomb. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Jesus said, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all cities, and outwent them, and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, and was moved with compassion toward them, because they were as sheep not having a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. So send them away, that they may go into the country round about and into the villages, and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. He answered and said unto them, meaning the disciples, Jesus talking to them, Jesus said, Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred penny worth of bread and give them to eat? He saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and brake uh, the loaves and gave them to, the, to his disciples and set before them. And the two fishes uh, divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and of the fishes. And they that did eat of the loaves were about five thousand men. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before to Bethesda while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, and the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came unto them walking upon the sea and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered." For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. I want to take my text out of verse number 52. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. This is talking about Jesus' disciples. They were saved. They were followers of Christ. They were on their way to heaven not because of what they had done, but because they'd accepted Him as the Messiah, as their Savior. 
We know uh, here uh, that, uh, that they had seen him do many things. They'd been with him through most of his earthly ministry. And um, I want to preach to you on this thought tonight, on some signs of a hard heart. Some signs of a hard heart. I want to tell you how God gave me this message before I preach it. I was a young man, just been saved in Bible college. I might have been 19 or 20. I don't know where I was in that, that time frame. And I had a Bible college teacher with Wayne Henderson, and he taught us to, um, as you go through the Bible, and he said, as God speaks to you and shows you something, he said, he said what he did personally, he wrote down uh, the word ST for a sermon thought or a seed thought for something to develop, and he encouraged us to do that. And as a young man in Bible college, I, I read that verse, and I said, that'll preach. And I wrote down ST, some signs of a hard heart. And I said, that'll get them. That'll get them. Several years later, several years later, we was on the mission field in Australia, and I was preaching four times a week, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And it don't take long before you're needing to find something to preach. You've preached everything you got and some things you don't got. And you're looking for something to preach. I get my old Bible out. I'm going through and I'm looking for these little things that says ST, ST, ST. Seed thought, sermon thought, what are you going to call it? I'm asking God to help me. Lord, I need something to preach. I started looking at this verse here and I started looking at the context of it. And God gave me an outline of it, of what I'm about to present to you tonight. And the outline convicted my own heart so bad. I set it aside and said to God, I can't preach that. I can't preach that. It sat there about five, six months on the side of my desk in a pile of papers. I knew it was there. And God got to convicting me. He said, you're going to preach that or you're not going to preach anymore. So I got that out and I started working on it. And this is a message I'm preaching tonight that I, I, I really don't like to preach because it's hard on me. And when I preach this message tonight, I'm not saying it's you that needs this message. You may, but I need this message. So tonight I want to preach on some signs of a hard heart. We know that the physical heart the physical heart can grow weak, it can grow tired, and there's many people that suffer with heart disease. I have it in my own family, congestive heart failure and things of that nature. And in this day that we live, we live in a day of pacemakers, we live in a day of open heart surgery, replaceable valves, and heart, even heart transplants. In the last verse in our text, in verse number 52, the Bible tells us the disciples' hearts had hardened. But the Bible isn't talking about the physical heart. The Bible is talking about, uh, the re it's referring to that center spiritual uh, seat of life. And here the heart's referring uh, to that. It's, it's referring to that inner man. Amen. You know what it's talking about when, when you, you say, well, you're just hard. You've gotten hard. Amen. You can do that. I can do that. Amen. I looked up the word hardened. It says, it says here in our verse, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. 
hardened. It literally means this. It means to cover with a thick skin. It means to harden by covering with a callus. It means to, um, it means to make the heart dull and to grow hard and calloused and become dull or to lose the power of understanding. You see, it's not, I work with my hands a lot and do construction and tile and different things of that nature. And it's not just our hands that can grow calloused and tough, but it's our heart. It's our heart uh, that can do that as well. We have to, we have, when we have trouble with our physical heart, we can go to the doctor. They can hook us up on machines. They can, they can listen to the rhythm of it. Sometimes they have an electrocardiogram printed off to see its activity. Or, or um, uh, they might have to look at it through an ultrasound or, uh, to detect a problem. Sometimes, sometimes doctors have to perform many, many, many tests before they can find the symptom that enables them to give a correct diagnosis. I want to look at the disciples tonight. I want to look at the disciples. I want to listen to their heart. I want to listen to them and I want to see if we can see some signs of a hard heart in our life. In our life. In the context that we've just read, verse number 29, the disciples have just buried. I'm, talking, I'm, about, to, I'm about to give you a, a, a rundown of what they went through in one day. Listen to me. They've just buried John the Baptist. In verse number 31, Jesus tells them to come apart and rest a while. Uh, but a multitude of people uh, outran them to the destination that's going to rest. In verse number 33, so the Lord ends up breaking bread and fish to feed these people. And the disciples that are already distraught, they're already unrested, uh, they get to distribute the bread and the fish, uh, the Bible says, to 5,000 men. Over in the book of Matthew, chapter number 14, verse number 21, it says 5,000 men plus women and children. I believe we could safely assume that there's probably 20,000 people there that Jesus has broke bread and had the miracle of the bread and the fish being distributed. And, and so these tired, distraught disciples get to distribute uh, this bread. Twelve disciples. If there was 20,000 people, you do the math, you do the ratio, that's each disciple handing out bread, handing out fish. To each, each disciple had responsibility over 1,600 people. Then they said, pick it up. Then they picked up the leftovers. Then they picked up the leftovers immediately. Immediately after that, Jesus Jesus sends them, gets them into, tells them to get in the ship and go to the other side while he sends the people away. We see that in verse number 45. Before the disciples can get to the other side where Jesus tells them they're going, they get caught up in the storm that keeps them struggling for most of the night. Look at verse number 48. And it says he saw them. Now Jesus was on the mountain. The disciples were on the sea. And it says when he saw them, he saw them toiling and rowing, uh, for the wind was contrary to them. And uh, it was about the and he came and it was contrary to them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them walking upon the sea. That's very important there when you see those words, fourth watch of the night. Uh, the previous uh, verse in verse number forty-seven, it says when even was come, when even was come. You see the Jewish day ended at six o'clock p.m. and and the word even. The word even, uh, you look it up, it literally means between 6 and 9 p.m. So there's four watches in the Jewish night. So the first watch of the night is between 6 and 9 p.m. That's even for them. The second watch of the night is from 12 a.m. midnight 
uh, to the to um, excuse me from nine. I got my numbers backwards there. The second watch is from nine p.m. to twelve a.m. midnight. That's a second watch. The third watch of the night is from twelve a.m. midnight to three a.m. And the fourth watch is between three and six a.m. So Jesus sends them away in the evening, tells them to go across, and they're toiling all night in the storm, and Jesus comes walking on the water in the fourth watch of the night, sometime between 3 and 6 a.m. You talk about all in a day's work. You buried your, one of your mentors. You're so distraught that you can't even take time to eat. Then you get to feed 5,000 men plus women and children, approximately 1,600 people apiece that you get to distribute bread and fish to, then pick up the leftovers. Jesus said, get in the boat, go to the other side, and I'll meet you over there. Get in the storm, they row all night. That's where they are. You say, we're going to look at these disciples and listen to their heart. Jesus told them in verse number 52 that their heart had hardened. What is it? Why was their heart hardened? First of all, I want us to look at verse number 31 and verse number 36. In verse number 31, Jesus said, Come, ye yourselves apart to a desert place and rest a while, for there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. Verse number 36, The disciples said to Jesus, Send them away that they may go into the country and round about into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. First thing I'd like to say about these disciples here tonight is that they were busy, but they weren't burdened. They were busy, but they were not burdened. They were busy doing the Lord's work. According to what we says here, read here in verse number 31, it says, For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure. Not even time to eat, the Bible says here. You see, if it were up to the disciples, these people, this multitude, would have been sent away. But Jesus had a vision for people. Jesus, Jesus could see the need. The Bible says here in verse number 34, and when Jesus came out and he saw, he saw, he had his eyes open, he saw, he saw much people and was moved. You see, we see the cause, you know, the, you know cause and effect? Here we see the cause, he saw. But here we see uh, the effect, he was moved. He was moved with compassion toward them because they were a sheep not having a shepherd. And He began to teach them many things. Here we find the, uh, our Savior uh, so, so in love with, with humanity that He saw the need and He was moved with compassion and He started teaching them and showing them their need and talking to them no doubt about their soul and how that one day that they was going to die and if they didn't get saved and if they didn't accept the Lord Jesus Christ they're going to die one day and if they don't get saved hell was going to be their home. He taught them many things, the Bible tells us. He had compassion that moved him. The Bible says in, in Jude 22, and if some have compassion, making a difference. Here we find the disciples, uh, they, were, they were so busy doing the Lord's work, but they didn't have a burden for it. They were busy. We can get busy, 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 and lose our burden for our fellow man. We can get so busy that we don't see the need, and we just, just keep going and keep going. Hey, we need to take time and smell the roses sometime and see if the roses are on the way to hell and need to be saved. Just because somebody's busy and working for the Lord doesn't mean that their heart is right with God. 
we're busy so much of the time, but when our heart isn't in it, it's like building with wood, hay, and stubble that will be burned up at the judgment. When we start losing our burden, when we start losing our vision uh, for souls, and we start losing our compassion, I'm afraid it's a sign of a hard, hard heart. Secondly, tonight, not only were they busy, but they weren't burdened. But we see that they were battling, but they were not believing. Look at our verses in verse number 48 and 49. And he saw them toiling and rowing. Remember, Jesus is on the mountain. The disciples are in the sea trying to go to the other side like he told them to do. Our verses says in verse number 48, And he saw them toiling and rowing, and the wind was contrary to them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them and walking on the sea and, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him uh, walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. I mean, these, these disciples were in a pretty bad storm, right. probably a terrible storm. And they were struggling, struggling against a contrary uh, headwind, excuse me. And, and they, they, I, I admire these men. They didn't lie down. They didn't give up. They kept rowing. They kept going. They kept trying to get the other side. They're doing everything within their power to do it, and I admire that. We all go through storms. We all go through struggles. We all go through situations where, hey, we don't know, we don't know what, what, what's up sometimes, but you just keep going and keep going to church, and I admire that. I appreciate that, and I believe uh, we need to have faith. But these guys here, they were, they were battling in the storm, but they weren't believing. We all go through these storms. Like I said, and there's nothing wrong with doing your best to, to get your way through the hardships, but too many times we're like the disciples and we experience uh, fear in the storm instead of faith. Right. We experience fear. Uh, the Bible tells us uh, in verse number 49 here, it gives us here the, the account in Matthew, but in Matthew chapter number, uh, uh, in, in, in Mark, excuse me, here in verse number 49, but in Matthew chapter number 14, verse number 26, in Matthew's account of this same uh, situation here, it says, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, Is a spirit. And it says they cried out for fear. They was afraid. They was afraid. And, and when we go through the storms of life, we need not to forget our Lord. Uh, the Lord told them to go to the other side. You know, uh, God has told us that we're going the other side. You know, when God saved us, He's not going to leave us here. He's, not going, he's coming back to get us one day. He, we're not going to go to hell if we're saved because He gave us that promise. He said we're going the other side. But between here and the other side, there's going to be some storms. There's going to be some situations. Hey, I don't know how it's going to work out. You may not know how it's going to work out. But hey, we've got to keep remembering, we're going the other side because He said we're going the other side. The Lord told him to go to the other side. And when we go through storms, Going through storms, even when we're doing what God told us to do, and we don't know why we're going through the storm. Lord, I'm doing what you told me to do. I'm trying to do what you told me to do, and I'm going through this, and I don't understand it. Keep your eyes on Him. But too many times, we're like the disciples. We're out there rowing, 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 and, and we're self-sufficient. And we think, I got this. Somebody, everybody asks you, how you know? Oh, it's good. Yeah. If I'd be doing any better, I'd be in heaven. But on the inside, there's a storm brewing. Amen. And too many times, in our pride, we tell people we're all right. And we need some help. And we need God to help us. 
I'm wondering that if when we start to make our own way through the storms without trusting the Lord, without believing God, without helping, without just doing it ourselves, self-sufficiency, I wonder if that's a sign of a hard heart. They were battling through the storm, but they weren't believing. He told them they was going to the other side. Third thing, I want to look at these disciples. Number three, look at verse number 45 and verse number 52. They were constrained, but they were not considering. Look at our verse in number 45. It says, in the straight way, and this is before he sent them to the other side, they got in the ship. It says, in straight way, he constrained his disciples to get into the ship to go to the other side. Look at verse number 52. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves. They were constrained, but they didn't consider. The word constrained here in verse number 45 is a very, very strong word. Very strong word. One language, I can't remember if it was Japanese or Spanish. One is force when you translate it, and the other language is twist their arm. That's how strong this word is. I want to read you this, the, the um, definition out of Strong's Concordance from the Greek word. It means to necessitate. It means to compel. It means to drive. It means to constrain by force or threats. Jesus here has the disciples, and the Bible tells us here, and straightway in verse number 45, He constrained the disciples to get into the ship. He forced them. He constrained them. The, Bible, the, the definition here says it, it means to constrain by force or threats. It tells me they didn't want to go to the other side. It tells me they didn't want to get in the ship. They were constrained. I don't think they wanted to leave without the Lord. I, I believe that the Lord had to make them get in the ship and go the other side. Most, most of these disciples, the most of these disciples uh, were, were fishermen. They had spent time on the water fishing. I wonder if they could look out there and say, Lord, I see those clouds. I see that storm. I see what's over there. You can't even see the other side, Lord. Do you know not what you're going to stay behind and send the people away and go pray, but you want us to go out there in that? How many times do we reluctantly obey God? How many times do we reluctantly obey Him because we can see the storm that we're going to go into if we do what He tells us to do? They were constrained. But they failed to consider all that he just did. All, all, I've been saved over 30 years. And God asked me to do something. And I said, Lord, you know what's going to happen if I do that. And I failed to remember. I've never missed a bill. Not because of me. I've never missed a meal. Unless I intentionally fasted. There's, and it's not because of me. It's because he's been faithful. He's provided. He's, he said, David said, I've been young and I've been old. And he said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Amen. See, God takes care of us. And too many times we get to thinking, God, if I step into this and do what you tell me, 
I know what I'm going to face. Well, we might know some of it. But we need to stop and consider. We need to stop and consider how the Lord is wanting to work through the situation. And, and I believe when, when we uh, uh, obey the Lord reluctantly and fail to consider all that He's already done for us in our life and His workings and all that He's done, I'm wondering if that's not a sign of a hard heart. Right. It is I. Be not afraid. Number four, they were troubled, but they weren't trusting. They were troubled, but they weren't trusting. How easy it is to let ourselves get troubled in the midst of problems. I've got them. My wife's got them. And sometimes her problem's me. <laughs> and sometimes my problems are... And I'm joking. We're, we've got a really good marriage. God's blessed us. And I, I thank the Lord we've been married for a little over 30 years. God's blessed us with three wonderful children. And, 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 and a lot of people would compliment them. And I said, hey, you don't realize that halo on their head is held up by, by horns. Because they're kids too, just like y'all. Y'all's kids. I mean, we're all, we all got Adam's blood running through our veins, right? right? The ground's level right down here at the foot of the cross. There's no big eyes and little U's. It's, a, it's all, we're all down here. We're all sinners. Either on our way to heaven or on our way to hell. So it's easy. It's easy to get troubled. It's easy to get troubled and not trust in the midst of the storm. When we focus on problems, when we're looking at the problem, we're going to be troubled. When we're looking at the problem, it's going to be trouble. If we could just, if we could just trust the Lord and focus on Him, if we get our eyes on the Lord and what He's done for others, what He's done for us in the past, uh, instead of the problem, I like what the hymn writer Helen Limmel uh, put it like this in the hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. She said, Oh soul, are you wearied and troubled? No light in the darkness you see? She said, there's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. I like what the psalmist said in Psalm 56 and verse number 3. He said, what time I'm afraid. He said, I will trust in Thee. You ever been afraid? Don't be thinking about what you, how you're going to get out of it because we can't get ourselves out of it. The psalmist, if we could just learn that from the psalmist, he said, what time I'm afraid, he said, I will trust in thee. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not to understandings. John 14 and verse number 1, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. He said, believe also in me. Our hearts have the potential to be troubled. But God wants us to have a trusting heart. When we're in the storm and it's trouble instead of trust, I'm afraid it's a sign of a hard heart. <clears throat> Number five. <coughs> Excuse me. Number 5, verse number 51. And he went up unto them, and he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. Number 5, they were amazed, but they were not acquainted. They were amazed, but they were not acquainted. 
Bible says this in Psalm 103 in verse number 7. It's talking about Moses and the children of Israel. It says, he made, meaning God, he made his ways, he made known his ways unto Moses and his acts unto the children of Israel. So Moses knew his ways. Moses was familiar with his ways. The children of Israel just saw his acts. They just saw the result. Moses was familiar. And the children of Israel and and the disciples, uh, they were just alike. When they saw God do something, they were amazed. What about that? Can can you imagine? They were amazed. But the thing is, they had saw the Lord do miracle after miracle after miracle, broke seven loaves, two fishes, and fed 20,000 people and picked up 12 baskets. Just little things like that. I say little things. Things like that over and over. Touching, touching a, 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 a child and healing them. Touching the, 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 um, the casket that went by and the body got up. Touching, touching Peter's uh, mother-in-law that was sick of a fever. Healing her. I'm talking about over and over and over. Uh, the Lord did miracle after miracle. And here we see uh, He did it again. They weren't expecting it. They're just amazed. And I'm, I'm afraid that many times I'm still amazed instead of expecting it. They were amazed, but they were not acquainted. God help us to be more acquainted with the Lord. God help us to be expecting it. What was it? What is it? That makes our heart hard. I'm glad you asked the question. Turn your Bible to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 3. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, I'm really not preaching to you. I'm preaching to those that are saved, Christians on the way to heaven. If you're here and you're not saved, I want you to be saved. But I'm about to tell you here what hardens our hearts as Christians after we get saved. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter number 3. Let's begin reading in verse number um, 7. Wherefore the Holy Ghost saith, Today if you will hear His voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. He said, When your fathers tempted me and proved me, and saw my works 40 years. He's talking about those Old Testament saints that wandered in the wilderness. He said, verse 10, Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said they do always err. In their, the word err means to wander or lead astray. They, they, he said they do always err in their heart. That's what we're talking about tonight. And they have not known my ways. It says, So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, verse 12, take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin, as we allow it to creep into our lives as the child of God, it'll deceive us. It'll come in and it'll it'll harden our hearts to where we're not affected anymore, where it doesn't bother us anymore. 
to take a boy and send him to the garden with a hoe with tender hands, you know what he's going to come out with? He's going to come out with blisters. If he stays there long enough. He keeps going, you know what he's going to come back with? He's going to come out with some scabs. You keep going, you go back to that garden the next day, you know what you're going to come back with? You're going to develop some calluses. You keep going, you know what's going to happen? You ain't going to bother to go to work in the garden no more. All right, child of God, you keep, you keep, you keep dabbling in that sin. You keep looking at that stuff you're not supposed to look at. You keep, you keep click, clicking on that stuff. Before you know it, it don't bother you like it used to. You got used to it. Sin, when we allow it to come into our life, whether it be our thoughts, whether it be our mouth, whether it's what our eye intake, what we, what we hear and see. It hardens us. Where it don't bother us no more. You know what right now? If I got up here and said that I saw a transgender today at Walmart, probably it didn't surprise nobody. You know why? We've been getting used to it. Sin hardens the believer's heart. Our verse says, But exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. The more you sin, the less it bothers you. Ignoring the leadership of God, God tells you to do this. No. It kind of bothers you to say no. Next time he tells you, it's not as hard to say no. Because you've hardened that heart. You've calloused that hand. You grab that hoe and keep going and don't bother you no more. God was trying to lead Israel out of the wilderness, but they provoked him by complaining. The Bible says in Proverbs 28 and verse number 14, Happy is the man that feareth always, but he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. When our heart isn't right with God, it shows up. You say, where's it shows up? <laughs> I did go to school. Where does it show up? It shows up in our mouth, what we say. The Bible says, Jesus said, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Your heart will show up in your speech. My heart will show up in my speech. It'll show up. For the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Proverbs 14 and verse number 14, it says, The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. You say, oh, they're just backslid. You can see it in their life. I promise you, before they backslid with their feet, they backslid with their heart. It got in their heart. Acts chapter number 7, verse number 39 and verse number 40, to whom our fathers would not obey. They said no, they would not obey. But thrust him from them in their hearts and turn back again into Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make us gods and go before us. As for this Moses, which brought us out of, this la out of the land of Egypt, we wot not or we know not what has become of him. 
says they, they, those Old Testament uh, saints that was following Moses, Moses went up to the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. They didn't know where he was. And the Bible says here that our Father, they would not obey him, but thrust him from them in their hearts. Satan does a good job at throwing stuff out there for the child of God, for his heart to be hardened, but he also hardens the sinner's heart that's not saved, trying to prevent them from getting saved. The Bible tells us over in the book of John, John chapter number 12 and verse number 40, talking about how he blinded their eyes and hardened their heart that they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their heart and be converted that I should heal them. If you're here tonight and Satan's blinded your heart, God can take the scales off. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4 and verse number uh, 4, it says, In whom the God of this world, that's Satan, Little g, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Satan not only hardens the hearts of God's children so that they won't be productive. He wants to harden the heart of sinners so that they won't go to heaven. So that they'll die and go to hell with him for eternity. I ask you tonight, child of God, are you busy? Are you burdened? Are you battling but not believing? Are you constrained but not considering? Are you troubled but not trusting? Are you amazed but not acquainted? What is the remedy for a hard, calloused heart of a child of God? It's the Word of God. It's the water of the Word of God. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews chapter number 4 and verse number 12, for the Word of God. Listen to it. For the Word of God is quick. That means it's alive. The Bible says, for the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, uh, piercing even the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and the marrow. And it says it's a discerner of our thoughts and the intents of our heart. The Word of God. Job said in Job 23 and verse number 16, For God maketh my heart soft. God can soften that old hard heart. Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse number 26 and 7, That He may sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word. Washing of water by the word that he might present it, that he might present it, talking about uh, the church unto himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. I have a lot of back problems. Sometimes I just need to soak in the tub. You understand what I'm talking about? And sometimes you just sit there until you get prunes on your hands. You understand what I'm talking about? Sometimes you have that callus on there, and I look down there, and it come right off. Why? Because it had been soaking in the water. Are you soaking in the water? You soaking in the water? May our hearts be tender. May our hearts be tender. Tender toward the souls of men. Tender that the people that we come in contact with, the people we see, the people that we meet, tender 
They're going to face God one day. And we're going to face God one day and give an account to what we did with them. And I ask you, church, is there blood going to be on our hands? I'm afraid it is. God, help us to warn. God, help us to wash. God, help us to be, a, help us to be tender. Help us not just to be busy, but help us to be burdened. Help us, Lord, to be tender in the time of the storms. Help us, help us uh, to, to understand what we're going through is not to harden us, but to help us. Help us to be tender when the Lord gives us direction to do something when He tells us to go the other side and say, God, you hadn't even looked over there to see those clouds. Help us to be tender that we understand that He done brought us safely thus far. Help us, Lord, to be tender when I can't see Him that I need to trust Him. You see, I want you to look at verse number 48. I'm almost through. I appreciate your patience. Verse number 48 says, And he saw them. He saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary to them. You know where Jesus was? He was on the mountain. You know where the disciples was? They was on the sea in a storm that they couldn't see. They could, all they could see is water splashing in. But he saw them. Help us to be tender so that when we, can, when we can't see him, Realize He sees us and we can trust Him. Help us to be tender. May our hearts be tender so we don't forget all that He's done in the past for us. Say, God, I can't do this. I can't make this. I can't make it. Just look back. Look back. You know, I'm glad we've got a windshield in front of us when we're driving on the road, but I'm glad we do have a rearview mirror. We don't, we don't drive looking in the rearview mirror. If we look back all the time, we're going to have a wreck. But I'm glad we can look back. I'm glad we can look back and say, I remember when God brought me through that time. I remember when God brought me through that time. I don't know what's ahead, but He's going to help us. Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed tonight. Ask our pianist and song leader to come. I don't know where you are tonight with God. I don't know your spiritual need or whether you need to be saved or whether you need to come as a child of God and ask Him to help you through the storm. Ask Him to help you with your, your condition of your heart or help him. me. I need help with my hard heart as well. But as we play and sing tonight, I want to encourage you. I want to ask you. I want to beg you to respond to the dealing of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you need to be saved, don't put God off. Jesus Christ is coming back and it could be soon. If you're here and you need to get your heart tendered up, come and ask God to soften your heart as Job did. Let's have a word of prayer and then we're going